Listen to for January 3 to 9, From Ears to Feet. Sabbath afternoon, January 3. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we open your word again this week, we just want to thank you once again for your great love to us, for your compassion in giving us your word that we can study. And as we look into the book of Proverbs this week, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to guide and bless and be with us each in our own personal lives too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Proverbs chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Let's read that again. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Proverbs 4, verses 26 and 27. Science has demonstrated that hearing impacts how we walk and that even our balance is influenced by how well we hear. So instruction or education, that is what we hear, is crucial to how we live. As it says in Proverbs 4.7, wisdom is the principal thing. Yet no matter how good the instruction is, the student must pay attention. Not without some irony, an ancient Egyptian teacher noted that the ear of the boy is on his back. He listens when he is beaten. In Egyptian art, the student was often represented with big ears on his back. It's not enough just to know about right and wrong. We need to know how to choose right and not wrong. Training in wisdom consists in hearing proper instruction and in following and obeying what we have learned so that we don't end up walking in the wrong direction. Sunday, January 4, here. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 4. What practical truth is found here, and how can we apply this to our own lives as we seek to live in faithfulness to God? Well, let's begin Proverbs chapter 4 at verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honour when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life may be many. I have taught you in the ways of wisdom. I have led you in right paths." 
When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the rising, sorry, the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. The act of hearing marks the first step in education. In Hebrew thought, the seat of wisdom or of intelligence is located not in the brain, but in the ears. This implies that even before we seek to conceptualize or solve a problem, we first need to hear it. This means we need to listen. When Solomon asks for wisdom, he specifically asks for, as it says in 1 Kings 3.9, a hearing heart. The first act of wisdom, then, is to listen, which suggests that wisdom comes from an external source, in this case, the parents. We cannot discover wisdom by ourselves. The self-made individual is an impossible concept in the domain of biblical wisdom. Wisdom is, first of all, something that we receive, not something we shape with our own skills or that we unearth through our own brilliance and reasoning. The capacity of paying attention, or in, Hebrews, or in Hebrew, to put one's heart, implies the involvement of the heart. The search for wisdom, then, is not merely a cold, objective enterprise. The heart, which is the core of the individual, and in Hebrew thought, the seats of emotions participates in the search for wisdom. Question. Read Matthew 13 and 14 and Jeremiah 29, 13. What link can you find between these verses and the search for wisdom as it is expressed in Proverbs chapter 4? Well, first of all, Matthew 13, verse 14, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found for joy over it. He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So to finish the day, emotions play a crucial role in our basic existence as humans, and thus cannot and should not be ignored in our relationship with God. How do we learn the proper place and value of emotions in regard to our spiritual life? 
How have your emotions steered you right and wrong? And what have you learned from those experiences? January 5. Protect your family. Once we determine to walk in the way of wisdom, we still need great caution because we still meet obstacles along the way. Well, we read about that in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. One of the greatest dangers we face deals with our families the most precious, sensitive, and intimate domain of life. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 5. What dangers must we guard against? Beginning at verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion, and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But... In the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them, therefore hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honour to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth, and your labours go to the house of a foreigner, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed, and say, I have hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin, in the midst of the assembly and congregation." Drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be only your own, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a gracious doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times, and always be enraptured with her love." For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. The first danger begins with ourselves. It lies in our own words. We should watch our tongues to make sure that what we say does not convey an inappropriate or a mixed message. Our lips should be in harmony with our knowledge and should reflect our spiritual views. The second danger comes from the other woman or the other man. Although the text refers to the danger coming from a strange woman, the language should be understood in a generic sense. Temptation could come from either a man or a woman who interferes in the family. 
either could seduce a spouse into violating the marriage vows, and who hasn't seen or experienced just how destructive this sin is? According to the text, the best way to resist these temptations, which often start with alluring words, is to listen to the words of wisdom. By heeding and obeying inspired instruction, we are more likely to stay focused on the essentials and so be protected from adultery or whatever other temptations come our way. Of course, not only should we keep ourselves from adultery, we should also avoid going to the place where the temptress stays, as in verse 10. We certainly should not approach her door, as it said in verse 8. Finally, perhaps the best protection of all against the temptation to love another woman or man is this. Just love your own spouse, the wife or husband of your youth, as it said in verse 18. The author of Ecclesiastes resonated with this counsel. In Ecclesiastes 9.9, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Be thankful for what you have, and you won't be looking elsewhere. So to finish the day, read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. For God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. With this promise before you, what definitive and practical steps might you need to take right now in order to protect yourself from the passions that might be brewing in you? Tuesday, January 6, Protect Your Friendship Someone once said, Lord, protect me from my friends. I can take care of my enemies. The book of Proverbs is concerned with the vulnerability of friendship. It counsels us on how to keep our friends and also, if necessary, how to protect ourselves from them. The Hebrew word for friend also means neighbor, the one who is close to us, the one who is already a friend or who may become one. Biblical wisdom values human relationships and appeals for thoughtfulness and respect in these relationships. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 6 verses 1 to 5. What problem does Solomon refer to and what is the solution? What crucial spiritual principle do we find here as well? Well, Proverbs chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself, plead with your friend, give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. While the Torah urges people to help the poor and lend them money without charging interest, 
as in Exodus 22.25, if you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a moneylender to him, you shall not charge him interest, wisdom warns us against unwise financial backing for a friend who is in debt. The duty of charity does not exclude the duty of justice. Exodus 23, verses 2 to 3. You shall, not over, you shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside from many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a man in his dispute. Though we need to be generous when we can, we should be wise to make sure that charity will not turn into a fiasco, as it says in Proverbs 22.27. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Hence the wise counsel given to us in the proverb. The first caution applies to our words. How crucial that we evaluate the situation and make sure that we can afford to help our friend. If so, only then speak and promise. Indeed, the warmth of our relationship or a moment of emotion may precipitate our commitment and we may regret it afterward. No matter how well-intentioned you might have been, it's crucial to think before you act and commit to something that you can't fulfill. The point is that if we get into a bind, we need to do what we can to fix it, including humbling ourselves, admitting our mistake, and asking for grace. So, to finish the day, how do we learn to balance our desire to hear one another's burdens, as it says in Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, with the words given to us in this proverb. <laughs> Wednesday, January 7, Protect Your Work. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. What can we learn from the ant? Proverbs 6, beginning at verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. Not only do ants work hard, even harder than humans, if one compares the burden they are able to carry to the burdens humans can carry in proportion to their respective weights, but ants work independently and do not need to be supervised. The main reason for their hard work is the future. They anticipate times of trouble, winter, and prepare themselves for it. So the ant teaches us the wisdom of thinking about the future when making plans or engaging in an activity. This is a question, Ellen White writes in Education, page 145, that demands consideration by every parent, every teacher, every student, by every human being, young or old. No scheme of business or plan of life can be sound or complete that embraces only the brief years of this present life and makes no provision for the unending future. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 6, 
verses 9 to 11. What can we learn from the sluggard? Verse 9. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. It is the sluggard who has something to learn from the ant, not the other way round. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, it said in verse 6. While the ants are at work, the sluggards are asleep. While the ants are productive at the harvest, the sluggards keep folding their two hands, a symbol of indolence. The ants surpass themselves by carrying burdens heavier than themselves and by preparing for the future. The sluggards live in the present and are occupied only with themselves. So to finish the day, though indolence and laziness are condemned here, we must also remember that life consists of more than work and earning money. How does the Sabbath, as presented in the context of the work week, help us find this proper balance? Thursday, January 8, protect yourself. After having warned us against the particular evils that threaten three domains of life, our family, our social contacts and our work, Proverbs gives us a portrayal of the wicked. It is a satire full of irony and sharp psychological observation. The two poems, Proverbs 6, 12-15 and 16-19, are parallel and with the same poetic rhythm of seven, cover corresponding motives. The wicked person's inside is described as linked to what is thought in the heart. At the same time, it all becomes manifested in what is done on the outside. Question. Read Proverbs 6, verses 14 and 18, and Matthew fifteen nineteen. What important point is being made here? Proverbs 6.14, perversity is in his heart, he devises evil continually, he sows discord. And verse 18, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. And Matthew 15.19, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. As Ellen White writes in the Adventist Home, page 334, If you indulge in vain imaginations, permitting your mind to dwell upon impure subjects, you are, in a degree, as guilty before God as if your thoughts were carried out in action. Question. What warnings are given in Proverbs 6, verses 12 to 19? Well, let's begin at verse 12. A worthless person, a wicked man walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles with his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. 
These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. The imagery is ironic. The walking wicked follows the lazy sluggard. The two attitudes seem to be different, and yet they carry the same lesson. Both stay within themselves. Neither one is interested in the instruction coming from outside of themselves. They both follow their own wisdom and inclinations. The sluggards are sleeping, and neither their ears nor their feet function. The wicked have only their feet and their mouths working, not their ears. The result is the same. They will both go to destruction. Meanwhile, evil has two effects. It harms not only persons sinned against, but sinners as well. The liars will finally believe their own lies. It is also noteworthy that the ultimate result of wickedness is discord and conflict, which also can affect society. Indeed, the effects of sin rarely, if ever, remain confined to sinners. Others are impacted, and usually only for the worse. So to finish the day, how have the sins of others affected your life? Greatly, no doubt. What lessons can you learn from this about how careful you need to be that your actions don't hurt others? Friday, January 9. From the book Education, page 189, I read, The student of the Bible should be taught to approach it in the spirit of a learner. We are to search its pages not for proof to sustain our opinions, but in order to know what God says. One of the chief causes of mental inefficiency and moral weakness is the lack of concentration. With the immense tide of printed matter constantly pouring from the press, old and young form the habit of reading hastily and superficially, and the mind loses its power of connected and vigorous thought. And from the same author, Counsels to Parents, Teachers and Students, page 190, the habitations that the ants build for themselves show skill and perseverance. Only one little grain at a time can they handle, but by diligence and perseverance they accomplish wonders. Solomon points to the industry of the ant as a reproach to those who waste their hours in idleness or in practices that corrupt body and soul. The ant prepares for future seasons, but many gifted with reasoning powers fail to prepare for the future immortal life. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. One, dwell more on this idea of how we can help others, even at a personal cost to ourselves. How do we look at what this week's lesson taught in contrast to this verse, John 16, 15 verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends? Question two, 
What other lesson can we take from the natural world that we can apply to our own lives? Given, however, that the world is fallen, why must we be careful in the lessons we do draw? And three, read through the seven abominations in Proverbs six sixteen to 19 Why do you think that they are considered so bad in God's eyes? These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Inside Story. Our mission story this week continues from last week, and this week it has a new title, Camp Polaris, A Guiding Star. After they married, Roland and Jackie Moody started talking about ways to reach out to the native Alaskan community around them, and decided to build a Seventh-day Adventist school on their property by the lake. They called it the Mission School, and offered first through to eighth grade. Students and parents were delighted, and kids came from as far away as Nome just to attend the mission school. In order to accommodate the students, two dormitories were built. Additionally, the Moody's started an Adventist congregation and built the first Aleknikik Seventh-day Adventist church. As the school grew, Roland and Jackie wanted to provide more for their students, and so they started a camp. We just didn't have any place to take the young kids for activities and stuff, recalled Roland, and kids liked to go someplace. They named the new place Camp Polaris, after the guiding light of the North Star. Roland purchased several old buildings from Crick Cannery, which had gone out of business. He barged these buildings across Bristol Bay to Alignick, and then 12 miles up the lake to Camp Polaris. More than 60 years later, these old cannery buildings are still in use each summer by the children of Western Alaska. For decades, Roland and Jackie enjoyed hosting the children and ferrying them up the lake by barge to the camp. Each year, on the last Sabbath of camp, the entire Aleknegek Adventist Church prepared a feast for the kids and made the one-and-a-half-hour boat trip up the lake to Camp Polaris where they enjoyed a special Sabbath by the lake with the campers. After Jackie passed away, Roland married Beverly, who helped continue the Camp Polaris traditions. Over the years, the camp has been a vital ministry to the young people of Western Alaska. Many of the children who attended camp come from less-than-ideal homes where poverty, alcoholism and abuse are too often the norm. They often exclaim that going to the camp is the highlight of their year because it is a place where they feel loved, accepted and cared for. While Roland and Beverly have since retired and moved to Walla Walla, Washington, the ministry of Camp Polaris continues. You can become a part of this special ministry to the children of Alaska by contributing to this quarter's 13th Sabbath offering. 
To meet some of the children at Camp Polaris, read their stories online at www.adventistmission.org slash resources. Or you might want just to Google Camp Polaris. Your reader for this week's lesson has been Dr. Percy Harold. This lesson is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is always faithful.